It's Tuesday the 23rd of February. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, how are you? Feeling chipper today, mate. Feeling chipper and... Uh not as excited as the uh, the Aussies' performance today in the cricket in New Zealand, but uh, look, look, lots to talk about with the footy and uh, and the AFL. Mate, it's all happening. Yeah, the Aussie cricketers went down to New Zealand. We're going to discuss that. Rob Gilbert's going to give us the lowdown on the world game and Corey McKernan, of course, as the AFL stories just come in one after the other. This is afternoon sport on a busy one. Let's get going. Shane, let's start uh, with Tommy Trebojevic. What about not far from you, the Corso? Uh, it's on your doorstep. Uh, Saturday night, apparently, some blokes get, oh, come on, Turbo, can you run against Harry? And, of course, he's a superstar in the game of rugby league at Manly, has had problems with his hamstring. And the following morning, he's rung the club and said he's had a problem in the shower or the bath and damaged his hamstring again. But there's obviously rich speculation that it may have happened in the run along the Corso against this guy called Harry. What do you make of it? Well, Harry's pretty quick, apparently. But uh, look, I don't know, mate. I, I, you you want to believe the play here, but it, doesn't, it sounds pretty sus, doesn't it? Just footage of him running down the course, so doing a sprint. Obviously, he's got a, probably got a few beers under his belt. Uh, not only himself, but Harry. And, you know, allegedly, um, he's torn a hamstring in the shower. So we don't know, mate. But it's really bad news for the, for the Sea Eagles. He is a superstar player and... This will be the third or fourth time he's done his hamstring, so it doesn't bode well for his um, both his uh, first-grade career, but also his representative career would be in, in big trouble now too. Yeah, Des Hasler and Brad Fittler at New South Wales and everyone will be hanging their heads because it's been a chronic injury um, to Tommy Turbo, so talented. Okay, let's look at the cricket. Last night, uh, Australia in the 2020 sort of lost in a whimper, really, didn't they? They started well with the ball and then New Zealand got a pretty competitive total above 180, but we with the bat, Finch gone cheaply again. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, New Zealand scored 584, and we got um, we got the captain, Kane Williamson, um, cheaply. Um, but then their number four jumps in with 99 not out. But Australia all out for 131, with Sody the leg spinner taking, um, taking four wickets. So not a great start for the Aussies over there. It just looked like we were really lacklustre, um, particularly with our batting once again. You know, Maxwell... Just sort of pokes at one outside off stump and gets caught in slips. But Finch, yeah, the captain having a really, really bad run with the bat. Bit of tennis news about, of course, in the, in the wash-up at the Australian Open. Craig Tiley, the director of Tennis Australia, saying that he pretty much copped abuse from stars on a daily basis. And you can imagine it, can't you? Uh, there, it, it, was quite, um, it was quite a uh, hot kitchen. Yes, mate, and, and very much so. And you, and you can just imagine... You know, Hundred odd players, um, all with different requirements and all different uh, expectations, and all with all with all with different bank accounts as well. Honing in on one guy, and uh, you know they probably expect a lot. They they pretty much tour the world with a whole you know squad behind them, uh, supporting their every need. So uh, yeah, he would have been in a really tough position. But saying that, it's it's a big role, and um, I thought I thought he handled it really well. Yeah, and Ash Barty, she won't commit to full time touring. It's hard to blame her. That's there's a lot of unknowns. Her and Kyrgios both did tour last year. Um, but I, I don't know. I've got a funny feeling things are going to normalise a bit quicker than most people think. I, I think you're right, and hopefully you are right, Timmy. But uh, look, you can't blame her. Um, if our governments can't uh, tell us what's happening in a, in a couple of weeks' time, it's hard for tennis players to to plan out their schedules. And as she said, um, her health and fitness comes first, and uh, and good on her. And the other big thing is she said she's not going to go playing tennis just to chase points to stay number one. She said, if I start doing that, I'm in a really bad headspace and. Uh, 
once again, my health and fitness is number one. So good on you, Ash Barty. Yeah, it's not like she can't do anything else. She can play golf better than all of us. She can play cricket better than most of us. Uh, like, it's quite extraordinary. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, Corey McKernan, two-time premiership player with the Kangaroos. All right, let's look at the AFL, and everyone's excited. Of course, the article uh, yesterday's paper starting to speculate on how many people will be at the ground. Corey McKernan, two-time premiership player with the Kangaroos. That's going to make so many people happy. They'd be starving, desperate to get and watch their team. Yeah, we sure would. Like we said to you guys, there'd be nothing better than uh, seeing Richmond Carlton, the MCG, with 90,000 people there, so... Yeah, let's let's hope they can get some people back at the footy because uh, I think we'll we'll all be pretty excited. Corey, what do you make of this chat around Dusty potentially coming to Sydney? Is it just hearsay? Is it speculation? What what are your thoughts? Well, Shane, I reckon if you and I went into management, I think uh, what would we do? We'd throw out a few things <laughs> yeah. out there to drive our clients' prices up. Uh, look, I don't know. I'd imagine that Dustin Martin. I, I look. There was a number of years ago where Dustin Martin could have come to my my club, North Melbourne. And to be brutally honest, uh, yeah, Dustin could have been great at North Melbourne, but him being at Richmond suits him. He's got other people yeah. around the footy club that are very good at the media. Um, the club knows, you know, I mean, how Dustin goes about things, and it works well for everyone. So there's a big expectation when I, I think when you become that marquee player and it's not as simple as, Hey, I'll go up to Sydney and yeah, you know, I mean, you could catch up with you boys more often, but um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as cut and dried as yep. Well, we're just going to march into the sunset and we're going to come and go and play football in, in Sydney. Yeah. What about buddy? Uh, do you think now that we're looking sort of deeper into this, this massive deal, has it been a success for the Swans? I think it's been a huge success from, look, when you when you even go back even further, when you look at Tony Lockett came to Sydney and the effect that Tony Lockett had on football in Sydney and bringing crowds through the gate and having that marquee player in Sydney, I, I think it, from, a, from an off-field perspective, I think it's probably been a raging success. I think the Swans themselves would be the first to admit they, they would have, I'd like to have won a couple of flags with Buddy there. I think for having Buddy Franklin, who will go down as one of the greatest players to ever play our game, right? and I, I have, you know, I mean, have this conversation with Wayne Carey. This, you know, probably the only bit with Buddy where he could really take himself to another level was just his overhead marking. But every other aspect of his game is nearly flawless. And look, Dad, I know it's a long-winded answer, but look, I think off-field. Been a raging success. It's brought people through the gate, but just on field, I think the Sydney Swans would have liked it. Have, you know, I mean, a few more pieces of silverware in the cupboard. Yeah, no doubt. We we had a very sort of limited approach too. We, we seemed to always just try and kick the ball to him, and it was there's no other options. But you know, he he did win the Coleman Medal in 2013 and 17, four times number one goal kicker too at the Swans, and so he has he's, he has done a good job. But there's speculation going around now that he won't get paid out by the Swans. But it's my understanding that. At the time of the signing, all the Sydney directors um, signed contracts to say he will be who will be paid out. What are your thoughts? Oh, look, I, I think in fairness, like we said, Buddy's more than done the right thing. Yeah, I, yeah like in terms of the deal, the, a deal's a deal in my eyes. Like you all of a sudden can't change it down the track. And look, I, I don't think any of that chatter that 
going around saying that, oh, should we have to pay him out or not? Uh, you know what? It's bad luck. It, it, it probably, I think at the time it worked out. It sounded like great. Well, don't get me wrong. It was great money at the time and it's great money now. Yep. Um, are players getting paid more? Maybe. But at the end of the day, I think Buddy has delivered amazing value for the Sydney Swans footy club and don't write him off. Like he's still, you know what I mean? Buddy Franklin inside mm. 51 out. I think there are very, very few mm. players in the competition that make you more nervous being inside 50 with. And that's, and Buddy is still one of them. And I hope he does get back to his best because honestly, he, he, I mean, the Silrioli's, the Dustin Martins, the Buddy Franklin's, they don't come around too long and we want them fit. We want them out there. I agree. Superstar. Oh, and the thing about him, yeah, unbelievable. The thing about him that he's uh, having covered and watched sport for a long time, like we all have, but it's just the balance of strength and agility in him. He could hold to at bay and kick the goal at the same time. time. It's a very rare ability, isn't it, Corey? Oh, it is. Look, to have a guy that's six foot five, six foot six, that runs like the wind, 100 kilos. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a rare, rare ability. And some of the things that Buddy's done over the journey, have been nothing short of remarkable. The only maybe knock on Buddy sometimes. Yeah, I mean, mate, I mean, his accuracy in front of goal. But oh, look, I, I think he's he's going to go down as one of the, the greatest players to ever have played the game. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Now Nathan Buckley, uh, he still hasn't signed yet. Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I think at yeah, the start of the year, if you didn't have uh, a few of the issues that were going on at Richmond, and then uh, Eddie McGuire and what was going on at Collingwood, but Look, the, the the pressure is going to be on Nathan Buckley this year to deliver. Like he took over from Mick Moldhouse in 2012. They lost the first grand final they played in. Um, I mean, they've had some near misses. They obviously lost the, the grand final against the West Coast Eagles a few years ago. Really, it's, I hate to say it, but it's nearly premiership or bust for the Pies. Like, I think now that, I mean, we're going into 2021, that's nearly nine or 10 years. Is, and look, I, I think it's a huge year. I, I really like the Nathan Buckley version that we've seen nowadays. I think he's rebuilt himself. He had to do it as a player where he probably had a bit of that moniker that you guys might have even heard in Sydney where he mm. had the fig, fig jam moniker, <laughs> moniker going for <laughs> yeah. a while. And he, and he look, he worked on himself as a player and he did exactly the same thing as a coach. And I really admired the way that Nathan's gone about it. But unfortunately now you're, you're in charge of one of the biggest sporting organisations in the competition that really, at the end of the day, they're demanding success. And unfortunately, you're going to have to really give it an an almighty shake this year, I think, for him to get a contract extension. Yeah, we'll watch that space with interest. Now, just moving away from AFL, just to to wrap it up, I know you were keenly watching what was happening with the NRL and the whole idea of uh, them appointing the sitting police commissioner on the ARL commission. Yeah, that would that wouldn't be very dangerous, boys, would it? <laughs> what could, what, what, you're talking about integrity unit, like, and then you've got one on the inside. But look, I know that. Look, we're we're obviously going to great lengths that we want to protect the game, and and we do. But gee, even even from the outside, my eyebrow, my eyebrows did raise at that one, hearing that the uh, someone that's on the inside could be making calls on, I mean, players within the game that you're in charge of. It's. Uh, you know what? In sport, boys, there's never a dull moment, and that's what gives us great content to talk about, doesn't it? Well, you know what I think we, we need? We, we need a couple of rugby league players on the front bench as well. Let's just even it up. Let's, let's get it happening. 
Well, oh yeah, I, I did see, and I gather you boys might have covered it. I, I did see uh, Sam Burgess maybe in a little bit of strikes. So. Yes, that's, well, yep, he's um, in big, big trouble there, mate. But uh, but Corey, as always, mate, uh, fantastic, mate. I know you're getting very excited for the, the start of the AFL season, mate. And um, let's hope those kangaroos go well for you this year, mate. They will, and I think what are we? We should. It's it's hard to believe that it could be under a month away. And and look, like we said, let's hope at every sporting code we get to see fans back because. I know it's cliche, but really watching footy and even seeing the Australian Open, just seeing um, people in the stands and that like the instant crowd reaction, it's what makes what makes sport. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully the, the vaccine rollout's happening here. It's happening overseas. So we're heading in the right direction as the song goes. Corey, it's always a treat and a pleasure, my dear friend. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks for those dulcet tones, mate. <laughs> See you, Corey. Take care, I mate. won't do it again. <laughs> Coming up next, Rob Gilbert with all the lowdown on the world game, plus the wash-up of the Australian Open. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com Afternoon sport and uh, it is time to have a look at the world game and... uh, Plenty of dramatic uh, stuff happening both here and overseas. Rob Gilbert in Melbourne, how are you? G'day, Timmy. G'day, Shane. How are you, boys? Good, mate. Rob, let's start, before we go to the EPL and the A-League, let's start with the, the wash-up for the tennis, mate. And um, interesting night, the last night there, with the uh, there was a bit of booing happening in the stadium. Yeah, that's right. I mean, two worthy champions, Novak Djokovic and Naomi Osaka. I don't think anybody can question their credentials and the way that they both managed to motor their way through the tournament. But the, the moment you're talking about is really what's resonated around the world, and that is that the, the crowd, there was probably 8,000 people in there, 15,000 capacity. And uh, and when Jane Hardlicker, the uh, chairman of Tennis Australia, was going through her very, very lengthy uh, post-match um, speech, uh, when she got to the point where she started to talk about the future of sport as the uh, the vaccine began to roll out or begins to roll out, the, the crowd, there was a pregnant pause and then the boos resonated. Now, I can state from uh, uh, first-hand evidence that my wife and my oldest 20-year-old son were in the crowd and they were uh, in the majority of embarrassed people who thought this is absolutely ridiculous. But if you, you draw a thread through Novak Djokovic's public utterances since uh, the coronavirus emerged, the, uh, mm-hmm. the ill-fated Adria tour, which created a cluster in its own right, um, he's flip-flopping as to whether he would take the vaccine. It's not a long bow to draw to suggest that it was always going to be dangerous territory to mention the vaccines in a crowd where a lot of his supporters were. And uh, and to, to look at the fact that these supporters managed to get in there, it wasn't your typical corporate crowd. A lot of the tickets that were ultimately released were released in the past week or so. So a lot of his fans were able to get access to tickets where they normally wouldn't have gotten access to them. So I hate to say it, and... Uh, and it's certainly not directly her fault, but I think if the chairman had a thought twice and read the room that she was entering a little bit better, then that booing would not have happened. And then to double down and then uh, acknowledge and, and directly congratulate in the next breath the uh, Victorian state government uh, was uh, th- throwing fuel even mm. further on the fire because if you already had some malcontents in the crowd ready to boo vaccines, then there were going to be plenty of them who were prepared to <laughs> put the boot into Daniel Andrews. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. And the bottom line is having a bit of experience in that space. And look, I'm not saying that she didn't write the speech herself, but quite often what happens is someone else writes it. So uh, they might have been getting a dressing down from her and others saying, oh, why did you do that? But anyway, uh, look, it's all grist to the mill. He did have the last laugh, the joker in the end. He was the he was the villain. And uh, look, you can't take it away from him, can you? 18 Grand Slams now, nine Australian Opens. He's 34 He's younger than these other two. There's every chance that he'll pass them and, and pass them comfortably. Yeah, not at all. Um, he's uh, so, you know, Novak uh, at the age of 33 right now, he's two away from Federer and Nadal. Now, as far as aesthetics on court and, and pure tennis entertainment, I don't think anybody's ever going to say, regardless of how many Grand Slam tournaments Novak Djokovic wins, that he's a, a more enjoyable player to watch than Roger Federer, at the very least, let alone Rafael Nadal. But you're right, he, he's just as likely, because he doesn't seem to suffer as many injuries as the two of those, to, to go past them. And uh, and it'll be uh, interesting to see whether Wimbledon goes ahead. It's, it's likely to, but unlikely to go ahead with crowds. The French in a similar situation. We may know uh, more about... Um, whether crowds uh, uh, are emerging around the world uh, over the next six months, it's probably more likely that the US Open will have them. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a tale that had so many different strands. This the Australian Open. So Djokovic does he go from seventeen to eighteen, or uh, Rafael Nadal does he uh, does he exceed the um, the tied twenty Grand mm. Slams that he has with Roger Federer? And uh, and uh, look, many of us, anyone who who had been watching the tournament today, would have thought that Daniel Medvedev would have put in a far better performance as he's done against Djokovic in the past but uh, he just uh, he wasn't able to step up and, and Djokovic uh, you know with that incredible all-court defensive play was uh, you know he was just untouchable. Yeah I think we all agree that the gap between those top three and the next is uh, is quite large. Now over to the um, the EPL, uh, Man City dominating and, and Man United I believe up into second position now. Yeah, that's right. So there's a 10-point margin between City and United, 59 and 49, respectively. Manchester United sitting alongside Leicester City on 49. One of the big stories, though, is David Moyes, uh, West Ham, and what he's done with them. You know, ever since they they left their old home ground of the Berlin Stadium and moved to the Olympic Stadium, they seem to lose their soul, West Ham. And uh, David Moyes, he uh, he had many, many years as the... Um, the uh, um, well, let's say uh, the apprentice to Sir Alex mm. Ferguson as he uh, as he coached uh, Everton for over a decade and then finally got his shot at Manchester United. Didn't work out, but he's really turned it around at West Ham. So for them to be in the top four in genuine Champions League contention is a massive story. The other massive story of the past week, of course, was Everton finally breaking the uh, the two-decade and a bit uh, drought against Liverpool at Anfield. Um, Carlo Ancelotti, the Everton coach, he'll be a hero forevermore and... And, uh, and to knock Liverpool off and and to be equal with them on points with a game in hand, it's pretty much put the uh, the season of uh, of Liverpool, which was already uh, uh, consigned to um, well, not necessarily the scrap heap of history, but they then there's no way in the world they're going to defend their title. But uh, to add insult to injury would be to to miss European uh, um, uh, contention. It would that would be uh, a Real uh, insult, particularly at the hands of, of their Merseyside rivals. Oh, yeah. That was the moment, wasn't it? Uh, like, they've had a, a, an ordinary old time. Uh, I know it seemed to coincide with with uh, the around that same time that Jerry Marsden passed away. And, of course, you'll never walk alone. Uh, obviously, that's just coincidence. But since that time... They, well, since they've that lost time, four they... games in a row at home mm. for the first time since 1923. Yeah. Well, um, they can't be time with a stick at the moment. 
No. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, all right, Robert, uh, moving from the EPL to the A-League and high drama at Melbourne Victory. Look, I do feel for the Melbourne sides in this competition. It's been chopped and changed and moved and twisted and turned around for 16 months, really. And uh, there's a bit of internal drama, not not uncommon at football clubs. Yeah, not very often that you hear a bloke from Sydney having much sympathy for uh, Melbourne football clubs, but, you know, we'll take it where it comes from, Timothy. But well, uh, come off it. Uh, no, it's true. It's a fact. Um, the, uh, but look, let's face it, they uh, they have struggled. The uh, uh, the victory are uh, stone motherless last. Um, City, a couple of uh, uh, spots above them on the ladder, equal with Wellington Phoenix and, uh, and Western United um, are in ninth spot. So of the bottom four sides, the Melbourne teams are, are holding three of those spots. But as you say, plenty of drama going on at uh, the Melbourne Victory where one of the, um, the foundation directors, former general manager Richard Wilson, uh, um, quit the club today. He owns uh, what um, he's estimated to be up to a 20% stake and says he's going to sell it back to the fans. Uh, he uh, has been doing some media over the past 24 hours and the uh, the, the, the incumbent chairman, uh, Anthony DiPietro, and his board have, uh, have uh, given Richard Wilson a whack on the way out saying that, um, you know, they're uh, they're not disappointed to see him leave. It's um it's just a uh, uh, well I don't think the the uh, the words that I would like to use to describe what's going on at the victory are uh, suitable for this family friendly podcast. But I think you can read between the lines and mm. um, and to to have um, a board falling out, particularly when you've got people who are such uh, integral members you know, own part of the club, the foundation director, et cetera, and, and the infighting on the way out. Um, it's just a, a really ugly look for the victory. Grant Brebner just uh, can't take a trick. Uh, and when you get beaten by a team like the Newcastle Jets, who are doing amazing things with Craig Deans as the the, uh, the coach, uh, they, uh, you know, they, they've been in all sorts of financial troubles, had players quit on the brink of the season and uh, um, and ownership issues that just perennial at, um, at that club that they're sitting in sixth spot and they can knock off the victory at home. It's just, a, a, a look, the ultimate indictment into uh, just how bad things have got at the victory. Hey, Rob, just quickly, uh, what's the vibe like? I know the Melbourne folk love their AFL and they've been starved of it. Um, they must be getting pretty excited to hopefully seeing some AFL games live. Yeah, no question about that, Shane. The uh, the story today is more so about um, when are the AFL going to announce uh, the, the seating uh, criteria for, for people yeah. to actually attend because uh, the opening match of the season is, is less than four weeks away. Richmond versus Carlton at the MCG, you'd pack that game out uh, in any year, let alone a year, Mm. After there had been no crowds with the reigning premiers and uh, and Carlton starting to rise from the ashes of uh, of uh, what's been a pretty uh, difficult uh, past two decades, so around fifty thousand is likely to be the capacity. But we still haven't had a clear indication from the AFL on just who will qualify because uh, you put the, the memberships of both clubs together, that's going to double the capacity of the MCG. Yeah, so right. you've got fifty thousand capacity and no uh, clear indication of how that's going to be cut up. That's uh, sounds to me like a first world problem in the age of COVID where other sports around the world can't even uh, uh, get a, a crowd uh, in their stadiums at all. So, look, it's, a, it's an issue. It's a good issue to have because it means we're going to have big um, stadiums, big uh, crowds throughout the season, hopefully, if everything continues to go well. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the Melbourne fans are just licking their chops, Shane, uh, waiting for the uh, the AFL footy season to start. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and I suppose, as a, and I, just in, in closing, as a Collingwood fan, you've already resigned yourself to not making I, the eight. Yeah, Tim, I see. I knew there would be a sting in the tail because uh, you uh, you tried to sort of fluff up my feathers with a little comment there about the Melbourne football teams, uh, soccer style. But no, Collingwood would do very well now that um, Eddie Maguire has uh, fallen on his sword and just left a clear run. Uh, just watch the Magpies go. How's the song go? Good, good old Collingwood forever. I'm not going to. Good old Collingwood forever. They know how to play the game. Side by side, they stick together to uphold the magpie's name. Catch you next week, Rob. Go on, you mate. See you, Rob. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you, of course, Rob Gilbert and Corey McKernan today. Thank you to our sponsors as well, Shane. Yes, SpartanSportsHQ.com. Yeah, and the king of podcasts, Dan McHugh, our producer. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.